This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to Pints and Politics UK. It's Adam and Johnny here with this week's latest news. How's it going, Johnny? Uh, yeah, I think uh, on balance from last week, I think the lisp is getting slightly better. So you'll see a new yeah. reformed character, I think, in uh, in a few weeks' time when I'll just hopefully be back to a, a semi-normal talking state. God, I said a lot of best <laughs> words there, you see, you see. You really didn't have yourself out there, mate. No, 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 I didn't. Um, but this so week, we Adam, yeah. Yeah, it, well, it, what's in store? Come on, hit me up. What's it's going di- on? It's different to usual because I felt that four, there were four really broad topics and either either one of them really could have headlined what this week's really been about, to be honest with you. So what we've gone with is four main topics and that's what we're going to go with to cover the whole sort of duration of this of this podcast episode uh, so what, what's what's first up what are we coming today what's well yeah i mean it's been broad first one's actually going to probably be football related because it was something very close to my heart something that became very political this week um all related to a european super league we'll talk about that a little in a little bit more detail just after i've done these introductions um then we'll be looking at I think probably, uh, well, no, the, again, any of these really, this is the most profound one to, uh, this week, I think, was justice for George Floyd, really. Um, and Derek Chauvin, the police officer who committed the horrendous act on George Floyd, was found guilty on all charges, and we'll have a look at race, race generally, um, as well as a little bit about that trial, of course, as well, which seems to have been going on for a very long time, even if we all thought, that the verdict was going to be as unanimous as, as it quite clearly has been. Um, yeah. We'll have a look at that in a bit more detail, along as, as I say, with racism in America, but also perhaps in the UK as well, um, something we probably don't talk about enough. Um, we're then going to look at the plans for the environment. Uh, Joe Biden has, I think people said, um, basically put a times two on the plans for America's um, ambitions by the end of the decade in terms of their gr- yeah. commitment to the green. Was it a 50% decrease by 2030? Yeah. So it's basically double what the initial efforts were estimated to be. So America taking a strong lead, Boris Johnson jumping in on that act as well. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully that can, well, we'll have a look, we'll have a look at all things green because we haven't really had an all things green kind of debate to look at things. Um, and then finally, uh, we will look at um actually have we covered of course no we haven't finally we'll look at um the tax issue the tax issue with um with boris johnson i think and um if not if, if no one's looked at this it's also about james dyson famous entrepreneur man um he basically had a very interesting uh, debate or chat shall we say with boris johnson private chat that was leaked uh we will look at that in a little bit more detail. Um, so, yeah, uh, fantastic. So let's go back to Scotland. Um, right. European Super League, massive to me, was this? Yeah. What now, about it, Adam? Well, as some of you may know, Johnny hosts many podcasts on sports, 
is a massive football fan yeah. and believes Burnley FC is a religion. So I feel like we've covered his beliefs on football there. <laughs> However, um, my understanding as somebody who's not very football literate is a bunch of rich guys gone and created an even exclusive club to become more rich, which yeah. in turn destroyed the rest of the football industry. That was the plan, yeah. Uh, that plan's now collapsed, which is great. Good. Uh, absolutely great. But you've summarised... Can you name... It. Was, it, was, it, was it 10 teams? Can you name the 10 teams? That it was 12. 12 teams. What 12, were the 12 teams yeah. that went forward with this plan? Yeah. Um, uh, well, Real Madrid, owned by Florentino Perez, they were the, they were the mastermind, the Blofeld, so to speak, uh, to use the James Bond reference, behind the operation. They wanted to create this. You, you've basically summarised it perfectly in layman's terms. They were the architects of the European Super League. Yeah. So explain it to me as if you'd explain to, you know, non-football, but yeah. football, somebody with a basic understanding of football, but explain yeah. it to us in, you know, go, tell us, right, tell us okay, what's okay. happened. Tell us, right from the start. Yeah, so Florentino Perez, very rich man, owner of Real Madrid, as I said, a bit like Blofeld from James Bond stroking his cat. He, he's this sort of villainous figure at the heart of everything. He comes up with this plan to create a 20-team European league featuring, um, I, I think it was 15 of the world's most lucrative teams, and then five teams apparently can get in this league on merit outside of that. So it was something along those lines. Essentially, it was very sketchy. There was very little um, really... Um, in fact, no, that's a lie. That's a di- It's 20 teams, actually. The whole, All of the 20 teams were handpicked by Florentino Perez and co., and these were supposedly the most marketing, uh, the most lucrative teams in world football. They were going to be in a closed shop league. Um, so Barcelona, Real Madrid, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Inter Milan, AC Milan, etc. The reason it came about was because many of the big teams weren't performing as well as they should have been. And that meant they were losing money. And that's a problem when player transfer fees is going up, when player wages are going up. Um, and essentially, many of these teams were in a lot of debt and still are in a lot of debt. And they saw the European Super League as a great opportunity to get rid of all that debt and a great opportunity they claimed to broaden the sport, expand the sport, make the sport better for the next generation. The problem is that they would, by making a closed shop league with 20 teams in it, with no relegation, there were no, there were no um, pitfalls for losing every game. So you could turn up in that league, lose every game, and still get £300 million for being in that league. And that meant that everyone else below it had nothing to, to aspire to, because if you won the league below, you wouldn't get promotion to this league. Because... It's an exclusive closed shop league. So it was like a so on one part, mm. if I've understood this correctly, it was like a quick quid ship scheme. It was like yeah. getting people out of debt, making them a bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was it, no catch. Pretty, pretty much, much right? yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And but in the process, yeah, you were completely excluding, you know, ninety percent 
of the teams. Yeah. Yeah, it pretty much that. Um, yeah, it, that, that's what it was. And there was also talk that many games would perhaps be made for American audiences and Asian audiences, which is fine on the surface. But then when you think about the fact these are British teams, and in sport, British teams have a connection with a lot of a lot of you know loyal fans who've been to every game for 20, 30 years. The fact that the the, the possibility of seeing games being played all over the world just for money at random times of the day, I just don't think that was it, it was it was sending fans into despair and fans took to the streets. They took to the streets in anger to protest against this movement, and within 48 hours, it became it became a non non-entity. It disappeared. Yeah. I feel like from what I've seen, obviously mm. there were twelve teams, six of them, as yeah. you said, are from the UK. Yeah, and there was Elvis. There was evident back- backlash. Now, if I remember correctly, I remember I think it was Tottenham and Chelsea, and West Ham. No, West Ham. All- no, no. No, was it Arsenal then? No. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Arsenal. That was all. It was I knew it was yeah, either West yeah, Ham yeah. or Arsenal. I know yeah. that. I know that's a uh, yeah. That, that's a thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I said. Um. I think it. Yeah. Arsenal. It was Arsenal, right? It was Arsenal, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, like David they, Mitchell when he does that sketch yeah, on yeah, uh, yeah. football, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, I know that their statement was simply just like, we are sorry, we made a mistake yeah. and left it. There was no more explanation. Like, not, Liverpool yeah. had like, Liverpool fans practically had a memorial, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They literally yeah. put up banners outside yeah. of... Um, yeah. Stadium that uh, they said RIP Liverpool Football Club yeah. 18, whatever it is, uh, 20, mm. 21. And, and this is the thing as well, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Obviously, I'm not literate in the dates or, no, no. you know, all this stuff, but yeah. these clubs, a lot of them were founded in like the 19th century from yeah. working man's roots, right? Yeah. These were community based yeah. things, you know, religion, uh, you know, this is the thing like football is, you know, I had a whole module on it. It, it has very many synonymous parallels yeah. with religion and and other sort of things that bring communities together, that bring people yeah. together. And I feel like this is one of those rare occasions mm. where everyone yeah. as part of one community have actually agreed on something that's been fundamentally bad. Yeah, yeah. Which I suppose is a silver lining. Yeah. Absolutely. I love the fact that Man United fans, Liverpool fans hate each other ordinarily. They're all together in unison. They're all together in unison. When does that ever happen? It it never, never happens. Uh, Everyone together, like you say. And what was funny, I think, again, Nigel Farage tweeted that this was because of Brexit Britain, which is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard, because I don't care if you were a Remainer or a Brexiteer, that pushed them together. They've been divided for so long. Whatever your political allegiance, they were defiant in the stance against... Oh, absolutely. Um, but just, obviously, you know, if you want to hear more about that, listen to the podcast 15 Minutes of Football, where we discuss this in exactly two 15-minute topics. Um, but this isn't that top podcast. You know, let's draw it back. But, a second. Uh, yeah, question I was to just you. going to say... I'm going right, to give you a question. So, this is... Uh, the fans sort of rebelling against the establishment. People coming out, protesting, voicing their concerns and getting things done. It's almost like, um, well, um, I suppose like a revolution of some kind. Um, Now, there was a suggestion. The German model in German Bundesliga is um, the 50 plus one rule, right? Now, I don't know if you've heard of this, but the 50 plus one rule 
Is I've it... actually watched it, the Bundesliga. I was given a team. I can't remember what they were called. No. I was given them and we lost. <laughs> the Bundesliga. Damn it. Damn it. But, damn it. But the Bundesliga have a 50 plus one model. And that means, and it's something that many are suggesting the Premier League should have. Anyone who owns a Bundesliga club can only have a 49% shareholds of it. And the 51% is with the club itself and the stakeholders. So the fans, legends of the club, etc. Everyone associated with the club except the businessman who's in key charge. And what that does is it means that this wouldn't this didn't happen in the Bundesliga because it, it just it couldn't really. It really couldn't. As well as the fact that German clubs are actually owned predominantly by people who love football and want football to succeed. It couldn't happen because of that 51, 51, um, 50 plus one rule, sorry. Um, the problem is, and this is my art, this is sort of the long-winded way I'm asking you, to implement that into the UK, with, which I think is quite a socialist policy, by the way, where you're giving control to the people, you're making it a very, so, yeah, yeah. A very socialist, arguably football is a socialist thing. It, well, it is. But, that won't work, will it? I can't see the government finding the legislation, all the Premier League finding the legislation for that to happen because ultimately the Premier League is a reflection of our politics in a way. Because if the people at the top of our politics in big businesses and whatnot saw the European Super League as an opportunity to screw a few people over, screw a lot of people over, but make a lot of money, they would do it 100%. Yeah, I don't know if I know enough football to actually uh, no. comment on this with a substantial or and or accurate um, statement. But what I will say is that I think it's demonstrated um, the inconsistency of British mm. politics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I saw a brilliant like tweet. I think it was Mock the Week said. Probably. Was it Mock the Week? Oh, have, have I got news have for I got you? News for you is better, isn't yeah, it? it might have been. And it was something about Johnson making a speech in Parliament against yeah. the Super League. Did that actually happen? Uh, he did, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, because I wanted to make sure that that actually happened before I say <laughs> yeah. what I'm going to say. Yeah, now. right, okay. Um, but I assumed that had happened. Yeah. Uh, and it was something about um, how Johnson stood in front of Parliament and argued how it would be better mm. for British football yeah. to be with one, with Europe, for better economic oh, gain, yeah. balance for all people. Yeah, and if people aren't really bringing what I'm saying here, it's yeah. uh, it's uh, so opposite to what Brexit was. You know what? I saw the European Super League as like a weird in a, a weird inverted version of Brexit because technically, yeah, it was, it was European absolutely. clubs it was like yeah. European clubs gathering together. So it isn't Brexit because it's European clubs, but they in turn are leaving European regulations and football in yeah. So you're not wrong. And I just thought it was funny and a bit ironic coming from the bloke that was. advocated Brexit it was. and was like, no, go back with the Europeans, you know, all no, of us together. Yeah, it was, was like, bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it was crazy. I thought I thought the same to be honest. I, I and, still think it's mad though that football yeah. in this context still yeah. t- has still taken time in British politics over yeah. things like poverty. Yeah. That was my next point. Issues, so, social issues. Yeah. You know, just saying, 
I'm not poo-pooing on football. No, here. no, no, no. I agree with I you. I just think it's another reflection of British politics. I'll tell you this. So there's a lot of these things, I think, that people people sort of go about their daily lives, don't they? And they, they um, you know, a lot of people nine to five, a lot of people have families, um, a lot of people watch the news from time to time, but maybe aren't religiously checking it up on Twitter or scrutinizing everything that comes their way. That's life. Yeah. People are busy, right? But you mess Absolutely. with a football team which affects so many people across the UK, you're asking for trouble. This was something I don't think that the millionaires and the billionaires anticipated. No. It was something that they absolutely, completely um, underplayed, underthought. And You're what, messing with pubs, family yeah, traditions, absolutely. people's downtime, yeah. people's fun, yeah. leisure, yeah. community-based activity. Yeah. But this, Sunday five, yeah. you know, by the side. It yeah. messes with all of it. Yeah. I don't know if it messes with the five or six. No, no, you're right, actually, it does because, no, because the it's facilities passion, isn't it? and the facilities um that the, the Premier League earns a lot of money, generates a lot of money, and arguably it should should be filtered out more fairly down the pyramid. But you scrap you take all the money away from the Premier League and it goes into this offshore league where everyone else is playing, and you have less money to get filtered down. And that means less money for grassroots, that means less five or side pitch facilities. So Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So as indirect as it may be, yeah. there is still financial domino effects that were going to impact on absolutely everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. Yeah. Except for a small minority. Well, uh it was it right, it was a 20 team league, and there were definitely 15 who couldn't be relegated. And my assumption and my understanding was that it was look, looking like being a 20 teams that couldn't be relegated. Either way, right. it was a it was a small league where all of those got richer and the rest got poorer. And so how many teams play in the championship? Uh, in the Premier League. Um, so 20 in the Premier League, 24 in the league below, 24 in the league below that, 24 in the league below that, and then you've got the non-league. So 92 in non that are in the league, in league, in the league. So you've got the 72 yeah, football yeah, 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 league yeah, yeah. and 20 in the Premier League. Then all the non-league, which is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, um, you know, all of these would have had a domino effect and they would have all been affected. But those 15 to 20 clubs, we'll say 20 clubs, they would have been financially, you know, they'd have been they'd have been getting a lot richer, let's just say that. And it's quite ironic because it's it's basically a metaphor for capitalism and toxic capitalism. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Toxic capitalism, absolutely. Yeah. It's neoliberalist capitalism at its finest yeah, form. Yeah. It's you know, anything. And we saw how many people stood up there and said no to toxic capitalism, which is quite funny because when you think, when Jeremy Corbyn tried to get elected based on socialist policies, they all called him a socialist nutjob and a, and exactly. a Marxist. And yet in well, reality, well, people are of that inc- inclination, but they don't realise it. Well, it comes down to the classic point. You only understand somebody else's point when you find yourself facing those issues. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, you know, so it, it comes down to empathy, doesn't it? You or just understanding in general. You, you know, people can disregard COVID until you catch it yeah. yourself and you lose yeah. your ability to smell taste for the rest of your life. You yeah. know, then you understand the impact of COVID. No, sure, yeah, that's no, a really, really fair point. The impact of toxic capitalist policies mm. or the benefit of socialist policies. Yeah. Until they hit the one thing they love most in the world, i.e., football. <laughs> Exactly. No, it's true. It's uh, absolutely no, it's true. as basic as that. It's layman terms. Yeah, you know, I, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's not quite layman terms, but you know. What yeah, I mean. no, it's absolutely true. And like, like I say, the energy, unfortunately, because people live busy lives, because people have families, because people are, are busy doing a lot of other things that 
aren't necessarily directly primarily in their face being affected right in front of their eyes, they won't carry this energy to challenging other things that are quite blatantly similar in sentiment with rich getting richer and other people getting screwed over because it's not directly there. And in sport, I think, in a way, it's like a, a child-friendly version, isn't it, of what we just discussed, in a, in a sense. And I said that as an ardent football fan. But yeah, when yeah. you see it, when you see it, it's like, uh, you know, like... Um, like a like a dumbed down version of the, the the mean guys, you know, trying to rip away something that you love. In actual fact, it goes on every day, and people we just t- so many just turn a blind eye to it and vote for that party in the election. Absolutely, very yeah. interesting time. Like, yeah. amazing. I no. think it was James Corden who said on this late late I know. show saying I know. Yeah. He, he called it literally called it the death football. I'm in football Armageddon. I you know it was yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. interesting times, John. But it's alive, no, it's alive. Anyway, um, really sad, actually, news. And this was actually, I well, this was going like head, not head to head, but it was happening at the same time with the George Floyd um, uh, case finally at an yeah, end. Yeah, so this is quite flipping the coin, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, the... of course it is, of course it is. Yeah. Um, but it did happen at literally, you know, it was happening at a similar time. Uh, and you're absolutely spot on. This is a completely different personal. Much... Well, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go on. No, it, it, I, you know, it, it's hard to put it to words, really. But uh, Derek Chauvin, the police officer who was convicted of, of mur- who was, um, sorry, d- who had murdered George Floyd in such a brutal fashion, oh, finally, now, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. been finally convicted uh, of all charges, um, and really, it was just an inevitability, wasn't it? I mean, there was no, it was just, it, it, it <laughs> the movement that's come out of this really has has been remarkable in terms of what it's done it, on the football field, by the way, you know, the, 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 the taking the knee, the, the movement, the protests, everything that's emanated yep. from this has been truly, truly remarkable, not a consolation to the George Floyd's family in any, by any stretch of the imagination, but um, through one act of absolute brutality, there has been so much, so much done across the Western world that I'm sure his family can take a little bit of comfort from that their boy managed to make such a move, such a powerful movement mainstream across the world. Yeah. So what's significant about the, you know, Derek Chauvin's trial is it only lasted three weeks Mm. and it took less than a day Mm. for the jury to decide. Now, the 12-member jury was comprised of six white, four BME, and two mixed race. Yeah. Well, I think mixed race does fall on the BME, so yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, either way, point being is that this was a multicultural um, jury, yeah. which was very important. Yeah. However, it wasn't just jury service. Um, it was heavy-duty jury service because the eyes of the world was on this trial. Now, there's been lots of mixed narratives, very surprising narratives mm. uh, to a degree uh, from what I've read on Twitter, mm. is that um, from both sides as well, mm. from left and the right side of politics. Now, the right side of politics is those claiming that, A, he didn't, he was not near the neck on the video. Mm. So that's on, up to how you look at the video and interpret it. Although, 
personally, I think it was very evident where mm. the foot was because mm-hmm. um, that's what caused the death uh, suffocation. And then so those were arguing that that didn't happen and they were also arguing that he was never put forward for a fair trial simply because of the publicity that yeah yeah uh, this trial or case or mm. the whole incident of George Floyd's death mm. you know rippled across the world you know how people mm. sure it sure. resonated it caused sure. black lives matter you know a resurgence in black lives matter um thousands of protests or maybe not hundreds of protests yeah, you know yeah, yeah. um so you had that point where they were like he was because he was so in the, much in the public eye yeah he was never going to win mm. and there are those on the left who go well obviously he wasn't going to win because he wasn't public eye because everyone had seen how wrong is what he'd done so there was no denying mm. what he'd done was wrong mm. which i believe to be true myself agreed yeah that. However, there are those who say that who also believe that this is still not justice because true justice. And I think it was um, Senator Alexandra Cortez who said that, you know, real justice would have been Derek Chauvin just not killing George Floyd in the first place. You know, you know, we think of all the shootings of Adam Toledo, a 30 year old mm. in Chicago, got shot mm. because a, a police one had mistaken her taser mm. for a pistol, mm-hmm. which for anyone who's com- you know is familiar with the two extremely different looking and feeling mm. objects, and mm. uh, you know, and so there's no justice there. So I feel like what she was saying that true justice will happen when these sort of things don't ever have to happen again. Yeah. yeah. But like you said, if this brings some sort of comfort to George Floyd's family, then fair because yeah. It, the, 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 the ripples that have turned to the waves that have turned to much, you know, tsunamis of, you know, protests, poetry, mm. you know, television, you know, it, it's mm. art, it's, 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 it's movement against establishment. So, yeah, it's been a weird, weird sort of trial in that sense mm. because it's such a mixed outcome. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I saw some people that said uh, on the right that were saying, particularly the American media, that um, Derek Chauvin wasn't given a fair trial. And I would argue that if you lean on someone who's saying they can't breathe towards the neck area for over nine minutes, then, I mean, I, th- I think that's quite damning in itself, isn't it? Um, I, you know, I, I believe that's... Evidence, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I'd I, agree. I find that quite an astonishing claim to make. Yeah, yeah um, agree. I'm quite on the left stance of this, uh, even so much so, like you say, too, is this really justice to the point, like you say, because so much is still going on with the police in, in America yes. at this moment. Yeah, um, so, again, you know, I do try and sort of stay moderate in the centre with a lot of political issues on this show, like I usually do. But for this, I'm I'm really, you know, quite far into the category of the left because I, I just don't see the other side of it and anyone who tries i think to make an argument on that side yeah i think you've got you're allowed to do that and you can listen and to be honest yeah the fact that this has become a global story does probably affect the jury on it it has to 
And Joe Biden himself, even though the jury had already made their minds up, I think, by this point, had already said, I hope that the that Floyd's family get the result that they deserve, or something along those lines, I'm paraphrasing, which basically says the president thinks this can only go one way. Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, granted that people were saying, oh, you can't say that while the trial hasn't been done, but the jury had already made their minds up by then, so it's irrelevant. But again... Yes, that probably all of this does affect the trial to a, to a degree. But the reason why all of this became such a big thing was because it was such a horrific and horrendous act. And it was. It, and, yeah. it, and it should never, ever, ever, ever have happened. And In the first um, place. Yeah, and to be honest, anyone... I mean, I, I read an argument by a right-wing person saying it was the fact that he was smoking marijuana so heavily that caused it. And I thought, what <sighs> an absolutely nonsensical yeah. argument. I think it comes down to um I, literally black and white yeah you know excuse the uh probably insensitive pun yeah but there was a guy mm. with somebody standing on his neck unlawfully on the floor this act whatever other triggers it might have caused whether those triggers even caused anything i whatever was in his book in his blood you know whatever his blood, mm. blood toxicity level said at the mm. time the guy died as a, as a result of practices that shouldn't have been taking place by the police force no. in the first place regardless no. of whether he was a convicted criminal whether he was an innocent man it, it doesn't matter though those elements do not matter you know yeah. he was a man on the floor Mm. with a police officer standing on his neck mm. and that resulted in his death. Yeah, sure, sure. It's, yeah, it's as simple as that. It's, but, yeah. You're right, you're right. It's completely, yeah. and, and there is no... And it shouldn't have here. happened. It's completely it black and white. Like completely yeah. black and white to me, it really is. Yeah, he should have been, you know, if said police officer, Derek mm. Chauvin, thought yeah. there was something dodgy going on, that he sh- that there was a lawful arrest mm. to be made, then he should have been cuffed and put in the back of a police car. Yeah. Yeah, if he thought there was any criminal activity going on. Yeah, well, just to, just to tie in with this, actually, um, recently it was Stephen Lawrence Day, and if anyone doesn't know who that is, that was a guy who, at 18 years old in 1993, was murdered by a white gang while he was waiting yes. for the bus in the UK. Uh, yeah. and this is sort of coincided with the George Floyd trial news as well, and and I again, I, I think it, it horrific, horrific act. People are then arguing uh, another name throwing in, which I think is unfair to the the, the, the uh, Lee Rigby's family. But for anyone who doesn't know who Lee Rigby is, he was a yeah he was yeah. a man who fought. Uh, I think he was in the um, he, was he was in- a drummer in the um, whatever music regiment. But also, if you're a drummer. Yeah. Um, you're also a gunner in Afghanistan at the time, yeah. I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. He served in our armed forces. That, that yeah. you know. Uh, he yeah. was murdered. I remember he had he was beheaded in the street by a crazed terrorist. I think he was he was I think he was, he was a terrorist, wasn't he? He, they, uh, he, they, he was described as a lone wolf, sort of you know, um, radicalized. Yeah, um, committing acts of terror. Essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that was awful. Um, Terrible. And what? Um, what but the, the the thing I feel for is his family actually because on things like George Floyd it's on it's 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 over social media you've got instances like George Floyd instances like the uh, Stephen Lawrence um, Day um, to commemorate his death all that time ago in such horrible circumstances when 
when often these are posted on social media, they say, why isn't Lee Rigby giving recognition? Now, personally, I would be all for a Lee Rigby day because he really seemed like a lovely guy. It came out of nowhere. He served in our in our um, armed forces and how he died was absolutely despicable, one of the worst ways he could die. Yeah, yeah, but absolutely. Why does it have to be mentioned in the same breath as the two the two black men who also died in yeah. awful, awful circumstances? It's because it seems like Lee Rigby, God rest his soul, is being used as a tool for you know xenophobic racial hatred from the right. Yeah, I think what the whole point being missed by that argument is mm. Lee Rigby died. Um at the hand, well, was murdered at the hands of, mm. you know, terrorists. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, a terrorist yeah. of, of a lone wolf, radicalized individual. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this was horrific. Mm. However, at the end of the day, he was a serving member of. Uh, he was, a, I think, he was a veteran of yeah. the Armed Forces. Um, yeah. I'm very hazy on those. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, however, he he had, or was serving, in the British military. He yeah. was a white male. Yeah. You know, and I think what the completely you know wrong way of paralleling what happened to um George Floyd and Lee Rigby was because they are completely separate instances yeah. with yeah. completely separate um sort of dynamics. Stephen Robinson did die at the hands of a gang as well. So that was slightly different to all of them yeah, really and that was absolutely. a racially motivated attack. Exactly. But I think this is the point yeah. as well. I think it was more of a belief motivated, a religious motivated happening with Lee Rigby. Yeah. Um because he was armed forces and said person yeah. was crazy. Yeah. 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 Who believed in the ideologies of what Lee Ruby had been had fought against. Yeah. And then to, but George Floyd is a symbol of how African Americans oh, yeah. and other members of the BME group yeah. have been completely agreed. Yeah. Um discriminated, treated mm. unlawfully yeah. by the American police who yeah. are predominantly white yeah, because no. only 15% of the American population are made up of, you know, the African-American yeah. community. Yeah. And yeah. by virtue of being a minority that always seems to be treated in this way, George Floyd thus serves as a symbol mm. to highlight this trend. Oh, we're and, we're yeah. I was going to yeah. say, we're absolutely on the same page with this, really. Uh, there's not even... Yeah. I, I, I'd, I, you know, I like to sort of, sort of devil's advocate thing as well. Sorry, who's the first responder? He's responding. You know, I'll edit that out. You know, yeah. <laughs> but you know how I like to, I, I sometimes like to play devil's advocate. I like to challenge you on points. I like to take the middle ground. There is no middle ground for me on some of these things. However, what yeah, I would I'd... say is, what I would say, to be fair, I wouldn't personally have a problem with them making a day to commemorate Lee Rigby because he was a man who, you know, served his country, by all accounts, was a really lovely and genuine guy. His family seemed really down to earth and the same. And to be honest, there's an argument we don't do enough for our veterans. We don't recognise the efforts of our veterans. And this veteran was murdered in an absolutely disgusting way. So, yeah, I have no problem with sorting something out for that having a having a day where we reflect on his um unfortunate passing and and, and really pay homage to him and all of our veterans but let's not do that 
on a day when we're paying our margin, as you said, to people who are acting as similar. It's a completely yeah. separate topic. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there is, of course, there's always parallels between issues, yeah. but it feels so unfair on both parties to yeah. throw them in the same ring. You know, it just, it's, it's, it's not. It's not yeah. Doesn't do justice to either party. No. Anyway, moving on from that, we'll go on to something that seems a lot more positive, really, um, in terms of. Well, no, actually, that was absolutely positive in the in the in the uh, the finding of Derek Chauvin being found guilty of all charges. But of course, um, the man had died, and it's still a really sad time for his family. It's still a really sad time of mourning for many people in the BAME community, uh, such as the injustices that they go through on you know, a day-to-day basis. But away from that, on with uh, climate change, and really America, again, leading from the front with Joe Biden again. We touched on this at the start of the pod. You know, really big respect to Joe Biden because this is, um, you know, a thing that many people would say, Adam, is, uh, you know, climate change is one of the biggest problems facing the world at the moment. Everyone. And... People look to America as leader of the Western world, so-called, for guidance. Under the previous administration, Donald Trump had very little interest in, in, in climate change reforms because windmills kill the birds. But Joe Biden, of course, very, very different, going very, very strong on this. Um, and it's good to see, isn't it? Absolutely. So... According to Statista and Worldometer and all that stuff, America is home to the um, second largest population of people who believe that climate change doesn't exist. Including the previous president. (laughs) Yeah, who famously, (laughs) over Twitter and in a couple of interviews, (laughs) uh, said it was a hoax. A conspiracy made by the Chinese to improve economic trade. Yeah. So, um, which is a interesting view. Let's just mm, keep yeah, it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, this is significant. This is extremely significant because climate change is rapidly increasing. It mm-hmm. is um, frighteningly, you know, increasing. Like it's, mm. it's actually quite terrifying how yeah. things are changing. Mm. So for, you know, President Biden to come forward at, at the very tender age of 77. Yes. Actually getting on board with and fighting for these causes is is is, is an extremely good thing. And maybe some of you wondering what why is climate change, you know, seen as such a um exclusive belief among the aged or yeah. whatever you want to say. Uh, you know, um it's because these aren't sort of issues that you seem to find uh, popular or um, more mm. that seem a lot of older generations seem to be concerning themselves with simply because you know later on in life they're not really issues that you feel are going to affect you in years to come and that seems just you know i've spoke to many of the other generation who said well mm. i lived my life in one way and i don't plan on changing and mm. fair enough yeah. so yeah so he wants to cut climb or you know um, what, what do they call it? Earth heating mm. processes mm. Mm. Um, by 50% yeah. Yeah. by 2030. Now, let's yeah. just all remind ourselves, like, we're already halfway through 2021 here. Mm. You know, like, that yeah. is nine and a half years away. That is 
ambitious. It is ambitious. It's very so ambitious. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. It's a positive step because you know it makes an absolute change from one from wanting to reopen, you know, pipelines and drill knee. Yeah. Atlantic and all that stuff so yeah it's yeah. a good thing yeah I mean uh, so he's you know he's got the full support as as I noted at the start of Boris Johnson who said yeah. uh, who, who told uh, another <laughs> quite surprising claim is, uh, yeah I, know, I, I, well by all accounts Boris Johnson's spouse at the moment is a very um, I think I think very very pro climate change um um, decisions are very, very pro renewable energy. So maybe she's offering her advice in that regard. But also, as well, um, Boris t- recently said um, it isn't all about bunny hugging, as he uh, <laughs> tenderly he told. Oh, that's so well put it. Oh, yeah. As he said, as he pledges a 78% cut in CO2 emissions. And by what year does he hope on doing that? Um, well, he hopes about, well, I, I, he doesn't actually say in the article, but he's referring to Joe Biden's um, 2030 pledge. So I guess, reading between the lines, he expects a similar time to have reduced uh, emissions right. by 78%, which is, again, very ambitious, isn't it? I'm calling bull crap. But Adam, it's not the first time Boris Johnson has come out and said he wants to be more green. He's already talking about the prospect of brand new jobs. Uh, he's already talked about electric cars being necessary by 2030. He even talked about maybe getting rid of uh, petrol stations and so on. You know, for well, 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 when we finally see some sort of change in the affordable electric car, then yeah, uh, exactly, I'll, I'll I'll start believing some he's got some things he's got to say because. Once again, mm. his ideas fit very much the conservative demographic. Yeah, financially, mm. and these are not, you know, mm. electric cars aren't cheap. No, no, they're know, not. and they do not. You know, a lot of people still aren't ready to accept them into their lives either. Mm. No. So how he plans on doing this, you know, I, I don't know. No, like, don't get me wrong. I'm on board with the policy. I've yeah. got nothing wrong with the policy of. Getting more electric cars, yeah. Um, you know, in the world, removing combustion fuel, getting rid of fossil fuel. Mm. Even as a car enthusiast myself, yeah. I know how much this all contributes. Yeah, it is very positive. But yeah. is it affordable? Currently, no, it isn't. No, no. the only but, decent car out there is a model. There's a Tesla, and yeah, they have very steep asking price. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah to be fair, um, he's also talked up, talked up new jobs, which is refreshing because. Again, a lot of the anti-climate change, uh, sorry, anti-renewable energy thing, getting rid of coal f- um, and, and fossil fuels, is fueled, pardon the pun, by um, people who believe jobs are going to get cut, jobs are going to get lost. Well, they are, but then you've got to look at it with the reverse idea in that this will hopefully create more jobs than what were there in the first place. I think Boris Johnson sort of talked that up a little bit, as has Joe Biden in his big green plan that he's not just said to uh, talked about recently, but but earlier on before. I think that's important to reassure people that you can retrain quite easily into these new jobs if you're at risk, if your sector is particularly at risk. Um, you know, because that's a legitimate concern. That is a legitimate yeah, concern, I think. It is very much legitimate. So. Um, especially in these times. Um, but you know, there is one thing I remember. I think I've slightly talked about this before, but I remember when Vladimir Putin was talking about this. Now, obviously, Vladimir Putin, very polarizing figure for 
you know, he's an individual and a half. Yes, but I think he, he spoke a little bit of sense on this topic uh, because Greta Thunberg said that all countries should be aspiring to move to become more greener, and, and Vladimir Putin agreed. But he said developing countries and poorer countries might not be able to afford such measures because these are expensive things that they have to to put into place. And if they do go with that, they might not have the money to support the population that's supposed to be supporting. So this is this is the whole issue exactly. with climate change. Well, this is the whole with green policy. Yeah. Especially global green policy. Mm. You know, you're looking at a country mm. like China and yeah. India, you know. Develop though no, India, you know, largest democracy in the world by yeah. population, by structure, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, China, one of the largest capitalistic, you know, industrial revolutions happened in recent times. Mm. You know, what right does the West have mm. to impose policies mm. on Eastern countries yeah. who are going through things we went through 200 years ago? Yeah, yeah. In fairness right to now, China as well, Adam, I would say that even though they get a bad rep for doing things like they use, I think they they do burn coal. They do have uh, factories where they burn coal, but they also have. Uh, I know Shenzhen just before I left was um, was investing in six hundred thousand electric buses. Uh, they also have an electric underground. There's a lot. That's of all well and good. Going in. Yeah, like, like don't get me wrong. That's all well and good. Yeah, but at one point, yeah, you know. Beijing alone was producing ninety percent of what yeah, sure. America used to produce yearly. Sure, you know, sure. Uh, and that 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 is bad. Oh, it's There's terrible. No economic arguments here, and I'm no. pretty sure six hundred thousand electric buses in Shenzhen is not really going to sort that out for them. Well, no, so, I, I mean they are. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean to be, you know. But point being is that. Yeah, it comes down to we can't tell other countries what not to do when we've already done it ourselves. Yeah. And by the same and, and who are who how do we have the right to do so? Yeah. And second of all, like how many people, like you say, who just work from one page, you know, paycheck to the other, how many of those genuinely have the time to yeah. worry about things like climate change? Most of us don't. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, Adam. Yeah, I was going to say, and I, 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 this is a bit of a clickbaity thing because I asked it in a previous episode, and I'm going to—I'll ask it again just for the sake of it being a bit clickbaity. But is the green revolution a bit, while it's necessary, and I do agree with that. I do think it's necessary, but could it be argued that it is a middle-class vanity project? It certainly is an expensive one. So you take mm. what you want from that. Yeah. But you know, I don't want to say anything here because. One of the most the best arguments I've ever heard about, you know, recycling the, the you know like the the working yeah. class person recycling all that. I was like, what's the what's the difference between somebody you know, rinsing out their pesto jar and their pickle jar and sticking it in the right part of the recycling bin mm-hmm. and having it shipped off there, where all our government does with it is send it to a dumping ground in somewhere like China or India, you know, mm-hmm. or what is the point when you've got H&M, Nike, mm. Primark, yeah, all working off, you know, the rivers in Kazakhstan, Mongolia, yeah, yeah. pumping in, pumping in toxic waste into yeah. drinking water, causing mass droughts on the name of a ten-pound pair of jeans. Yeah, you know, unless large corporations are the rich, mm. these big industrial capitalistic yeah. Yeah. corporations change their methods, their yeah. ways. 
then yeah. there's literally well, what's the point putting you washed out? What's the point even washing out your pesto jar in the first place? Yeah, well, yeah. that's a fair point. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess the point is principle, isn't it? The principle, principle is, is everything, yeah, absolutely, exactly. and that's why I still wash out my pesto jars. You know, but when it comes down to it, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. So it'll be interesting to see how. Boris uh, plans on rolling this out, and it'd yeah. be very interesting how Biden's going to convince yeah. um, a America. quarter of yeah, the population. <laughs> one in four people, on a, oh, it's either one or five or one in four. Yeah, I can't remember which one it is. Yeah, but we're looking at twenty to twenty-five percent of Americans do not believe in climate change. Yeah. And climate change is happening; they just don't believe it's people, you know, causing it. And I tell you what, it, that gives whoever takes on this administration from the Republican end, a perfect counter-narrative, doesn't it? Um, God, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, finally. Yeah, it might even be the man who he ran against before, because he's talking that up a little bit, oh. isn't he? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. away from that, we'll go back to Boris. Uh, Mr Johnson has, well, he's been a bit naughty, hasn't he, with James Dyson, so James Dyson. Um, right, come on, give us the rundown. Give us, yeah. Give us an overview. So basically, James Dyson was tasked with giving him, giving, uh, providing PPE during the uh, COVID pandemic crisis. This was a while ago, though. This was when Britain were really struggling. It was on its knees. It was faffing around with getting enough protective equipment. And Boris Johnson asked James Dyson if he could provide the right amount of some protective equipment, basically to bail him out. So. Um, they had uh, they exchanged messages via text, and these were leaked by an administration error, which is also quite amusing. Um, but essentially, James Dyson asked in these messages for Boris Johnson to fix his tax issue. Boris Johnson said, "Yes, I can do that." Rishi's on it, paraphrasing here, but Rishi's on he's, on that. Um, he said, "I will then, fix it." Yeah, he, he says that. Yeah, pretty much. And what you have is, well. What you have is basically top-level corruption in a nutshell right there uh, for everyone to see it. It's it, it's so blatantly obvious. Now, Sakai Starmer raised this in, in, in uh, Parliament and obviously Boris Johnson's response didn't just say, oh, yes, it was all, it was all a, a mind, you know, it was all a dodgy thing. He actually said he was willing to move heaven and earth to get the right amount of PPE equipment during a time of crisis, which was actually probably the best thing he could have said, given, uh, you know, given to that. To cover was his own ass, you mean? A little bit, yeah. Uh, in actual fact, James Dyson, I think, provided no PPE equipment in the end. So, no, he didn't. So, <laughs> so, but, 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 Jacob Reese Mogg was quite right to, to remind us all that. Sir James Dyson is a good patriotic Englishman and we should all be proud that he's here, um, you know, trying to support the government what during this tough time. Yeah, I know, what I know. What planet does know, that man live on? I'm sorry. Yeah, Something but, in the well, 1800s, I think, probably. I think so, yeah. But what did they... I think it was Lucy Powell, yeah. a Labour MP. Yeah. Um, I can't remember her position in the party now. Um, but she told... Much, yeah, yeah she, she told the... Uh, They've seen that. If it, frankly, it stinks that mm. a billionaire businessman mm. can text the prime minister and get an immediate response and mm. apparently an immediate change in policy. Now, yeah. the change in policy, you know, we don't know too much about that right now, no. whether it happened or not. But, mm. you know, we know that 
I don't think Dyson did actually produce any PPE. I'm no, not sure. No, they did. I don't think they did, no. He didn't at all. Okay. Yeah. But that is mad, that, isn't it? You know, well, I don't think James, he did. <laughs> the billionaire has the prime minister yeah. on speed dial yeah. on text. Yeah. Ready to go at the yeah. moment's notice. Yeah. And we can barely sort out social economic yeah. poverty yeah. happening yeah. all over yeah. the UK. And uh, like, uh, but Rishi's on it. Oh. Rishi's on it. Rishi's on it, Adam. Oh, so, what's he gonna do now? Yeah. No, I'll tell you what though, this is interesting because this came about again, this tied in the all these stories really have tied in, but specifically in the UK, the big one was obviously the European Super League. And when this was going on, this was also going on in tandem. And you knew. I knew this would be swept, this would be swept under the carpet. No one really, no one's really going to care because everyone, no, that, everyone that not. votes for the Conservatives, they don't pay attention to these small stories, or they do, and they just don't care themselves because I think they just assume that every government does a bit. It's lobbying, isn't it? It's a, it's it's lobbying again to an extent, which what we were you know discussing uh, last week. It's having fr- high, friends in high places and giving them favour over people who probably warrant it more. Um, and again, this was during our time of crisis. This was when we had very limited PPE, didn't even provide the PPE in the end. I think it went to another one of Hancock's friends. But yeah, it's uh, it's just it's crazy, isn't it? Oh, um, it really, really they, is. They don't help themselves, the Tories, do they? Well, Let's they don't. They don't. But uh, why? Why then? Because obviously we go on Twitter and everyone, you know, you see the, the hashtags. Well, I see the hashtags. Johnson must go. Conservative scandal. Tory, um, you know, scandal list and that and the other. And you think, oh, my God, they won't have a leg to stand on. But then you remember the Twitter stratosphere is so small, such a small representative of the, or at least mine is, such a small it, representative of the UK that, it, you know, it, it, average man or woman's not paying attention, are they? It's opinion. Like, yeah. it's opinion. All of it's just opinion. Like, if you seriously want to remove them from offices, you're going to have to make them serious, yeah. like, legal yeah. and public sort of exercise the democratic right yeah. sort of thing yeah and i'm afraid when I, you know and this has always been a massive debate should what happens on twitter be taken seriously but how the hell do you exercise a democratic right yeah. over twitter without yeah. some sort of coordination and physical you know yeah. in-person yeah. demonstration yeah. and that was always that's always been a contentious issue because yeah. you know to be fair twitter has got it's, it's certainly an echo chamber of thought mm. but we'll see it Let's is, see. and it's also based on algorithm who your echo chamber is. I suppose on that. So mine does oh, seem to absolutely. be does seem to be but quite left leaning to an extent. To be honest, but but either way, this is a yeah, this is a another one to put in the in the another nail in the Boris coffin that seems to just <laughs> have plenty of room for them. <laughs> yeah, but again, again, like I say, I tell you what, people, even people who are sort of skeptical, they'd watch Boris Johnson's response to Castell where he says oh, I was going to move heaven and earth for PPE during the pandemic. And they'll go, hooray, they won't fact check it. You know, they're going to, they'll, be, they'll be looking after the kids, they'll be talking to the missus, they'll be thinking about work, they'll be doing something else, they might be going to the pub with the friends. In the grand scheme of things. Yeah. In the grand scheme of yeah. things, as it stands on the 22nd yeah. of April, 2021, when we're yeah. recording, does it matter yeah. now that most of us are lined up? All right, I'm lined up for a job. You, yeah. You've had your first, haven't you? Yeah. You know, People are finally pubs have opened in England. They're yeah, opening yeah, in yeah. Wales on Monday. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, non-essential shops have opened. Yeah. Will people care at this point in the same way they would have a year ago? Yeah. No. It's, it's will and should, isn't it? It should and will. Should yeah, they? Should and yes. Because probably yes. Because yeah. it just exposes a bit of corruption that's happening in high office. Do they? No. No. Because for 
first time in a year and a half they can go to the pub and yeah. see their mate. And once everyone's vaccinated, well, we can finally give each other hugs when we see each other. Yeah, well, you so, know, and you're, that's you're, more important. No, you're spot on. Although, to be fair, we could go to the pub a few months ago. <laughs> it wasn't quite a year. We could it? have. It was December, well, wasn't it? Come on. <laughs> but I think, yeah. I think what we're going to say now is it, it light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And this has been exposed by that light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm afraid that it's been, you know, kind of cast to one side because yeah, people are yeah. too concentrated on the on the end of the tunnel. On the on which the is fair of, enough, also. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I really got a funny news story to finish, but I suppose I've got my first jab now in my arm. Uh, you do? I do. I have my first I'm, jab. Here's one for the history books. Yes. Um, 11th of May at 10:40 a.m. That's when I'm. See, that's my quite first early jab. as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's early for yeah. me. No, I think I know yeah. why it's early for me. It's probably because of my medical history, I think, to be honest. Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I just know in North Wales they're trying to, they're rearranging uh, the AstraZeneca and Pfizer and Moderna oh, vaccines yeah. in accordance with the blood clot reg- yes. regulation. Just for clarity so, on anyone that's not been paying attention, yeah, the AstraZeneca, Oxford AstraZeneca, has had reports of blood clots. I think there's more to it because one in two hundred and fifty thousand for me wouldn't necessarily be something you'd want to pull away from all the all the you know all the shelves of of the people that's getting the jab, but it has been pulled. So whether you think Which it's down a bit to that strange. or more, uh, I, mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I got well, the Pfizer, more going on the Pfizer one. Yeah. yeah, I got the Pfizer one, and now, like you said, the Moderna's come in as well. Um, but yeah, Adam's right, and I think just to sort of end on that touching point, really that we have been having a few months of progression out of this. Now we are both, we've both raised skepticism. I've heard of COVID pills, which we'll probably talk about on another episode coming into play for the winter and the autumn to combat further variants that are potentially coming in um, from one place in particular that's suffering at the moment is India and other places. Oh, absolutely. Some deadly strands going on there. Oh, affected. Of course, if the variants are severe enough, scientists do believe they could counteract vaccines we have now which is why this pill measure is in place but enough of that that's for another episode the progress out so far has been fairly you know decent decent very good actually it's been actually spectacular yeah so on that note there is a bit of positivity and a bit of light in this dark desolate uk uh, and it's absolutely <laughs> boiling outside, or it has been really, really hot. We need to so finish up nice so we can to... go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, and Adam's going to go for a walk. Uh, I'm going to have. I'm going to do some calls, work. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, we'll 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 catch you next week, um, and hopefully we'll have something uplifting to tell you. It's been mixed this week, but that's politics, isn't it? Absolutely, fun times, people. <laughs>